Hi, I'm Olaomi Brigway, and I began to experience all-round supernatural success in my life when I finally accepted that no matter how hard a person works, they will never rise above the level of thinking. Are you looking for transformation from the inside out? Then join me on the Super Abundant Life podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Super Abundant Life podcast, where we tackle real issues by examining the lives of real people and extracting real life solutions that are rooted in the wisdom of God. This is your host, Olaomi Brigway. Today we're talking all about mentoring relationships and how to maximize them for your next level. In this age, where people are becoming more and more aware of personal development, mentoring has become very popular. But does it work? <laughs> How many times have you asked someone that you admire to mentor you or been asked by someone to mentor them and then sort of waited for the magic to happen? People have two, three, four, and even 10 mentors, but sometimes it's hard to see the value that those relationships are actually delivering into their life. I mean, for sure, having someone in your corner to guide you can be life-changing. Mentoring is a proven principle, but many mentoring relationships under-deliver because people have the wrong idea about what mentoring entails and the right way to approach it. So this week, I'm going to be examining the life of a Bible character that very successfully entered into a mentoring relationship and it transformed his life. And by examining that life of that character, I'm going to be teaching five rules that you must follow in order to get the best out of any mentor relationship that you get into. Okay, so let's get into it. But before we talk about the five rules, I, I wanted to start off by talking about what mentoring is not. So in a way, defining what mentoring is <laughs> by talking about what it is not. And this is based on what I have observed around me, not just from other people, but also in looking back in, you know, to my own life. And I've, you know, I've had mentors in my life and I still have mentors today. So identifying the mistakes that I have made along the way in the past and also from observing other people's mentoring relationships as well. So I'm going to be looking at some of the ways that we have approached mentoring that actually is not mentoring at all. And as a result of it, people have not really gotten much, if anything, out of that relationship. Now, the first thing that I wanted us to see about what mentoring is not is this. Mentoring, and this one is actually probably the most um, common way that people approach mentoring. They all oh, have a mentor and this is what they tend to do. Now, mentoring is not what I call verbal vomit, <laughs> which is where you call the person up, you're having issues, and then you download every problem you're facing to that person right people do that because they're feeling low or feeling upset and they want someone to make them feel better so it's not even about 
um, getting solutions. It's literally just, oh, I'm in trouble, I feel bad, and you pick up the phone or text or whatever it is, and you just begin to download everything. This is what I'm going through, this is how bad it is. And for me, for, as someone that is you know, quite out there, I'm a coach, um, I used to blog, etc. So I've had several people, partic you know, particularly women, reach out to me at various points over the last few years. And beyond that first conversation, where they'll literally, maybe I write something and then some you know it touches them or whatever or they they see something about my life that they admire that they like and then they use it as a basis to get in touch and they would perhaps write an email or send a text or send messages etc and they would literally just begin to tell me everything about what's wrong in their life and so on. And at first, when I first started doing this, I started by blogging. I didn't start as a coach. So, so when I started as a blogger and writing about marriage, I had so many people reach out to me, so many women, and they say, oh, my marriage is this, my marriage is that. Not knowing what I know now, back then, I would try and engage with these women and try and take it further and say, okay, what can we do? And invest a lot of time and energy into these conversations and into these relationships but do you know i don't actually think any of those conversations led to anything tangible where somebody actually changed their life because people think mentoring is oh i'm feeling so bad i just want to tell you everything i'm going through and then you maybe counsel them make them feel better and they go off and they never actually do anything about it Mentoring is not verbal vomit. That kind of approach to mentoring rarely produces results beyond a temporary injection of relief. Mentoring conversations should be measured. They should be calculated. They should be thought through in advance. In advance. So when I began to realize that, ah, come, <laughs> this is actually not really leading anywhere. So I only hear from this person if they're in trouble or if something has gone wrong again. And I ask them, have you been doing what I said or what we talked about? And the answer is usually one excuse or the other. And the person might say, oh, I'm being mentored by this person, but I, 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 you know, I beg to differ. That is not mentoring. Mentoring is not calling someone up and saying, this is what's happening in my life. And then literally just vomiting all your problems on them. <laughs> so that's the first thing and unfortunately that is the most popular the most common I should say approach that people take towards mentoring it does not lead anywhere okay you might feel better by the end of that conversation but has your life changed no have you received instructions on what to do no are you going to follow through with what you've been you've been told etc no so that's the first thing that mentoring is not the second thing is mentoring is not passive. Mentoring is not passive. And I sort of alluded to, to that when I was talking about the verbal vomit. Mentoring is actually an exchange of ideas. All right. It's not like if I hang out with someone long enough or simply because they're successful, so one anointing is going to jump on me and I'm going to become like the person. It's not passive. It's an active process. 
right? Um, and it should be an exchange of ideas whereby every time you interact with your mentor, old ideas that you have that are keeping you stuck should be exchanged for new ones that will move you forward, okay? Conversations that are taking place to exchange ideas. And that can only happen if, as I said in the first point, it is you approach it in a measured, calculated, and a thought um, through thought through way. If you just think, oh, when I have when something's happening and I feel really bad, I pick up the phone. You haven't really thought it through. You haven't sat down to say, what am I experiencing? What what do I see? that I think this person might be able to help me with and what are the questions that I'm going to ask in order to access that. And, you know, I, I now have, you know, mentoring relationships both ways, people that I mentor and also people that mentor me that are approaching that way. And I've noticed a vast difference in the productivity of those relationships compared to when I started, as I said, and it was all about people, just strangers randomly coming and taking up my time, my energy, my prayers and everything, just investing and pouring and pouring to these people. And they just weren't interested. They just wanted to offload all their you know, troubles on me, feel better. And then I'm left feeling almost depressed at the end of those kind of conversations. So mentoring is not passive. It is actually an exchange of ideas. So if someone has been your mentor for a long time, and I'll say minimum, minimum of probably three to six months, and you haven't actually seen any exchange of ideas, where the way you used to think in a certain area has changed as a result of interacting with this person, then I'll say, listen, that person is certainly not your mentor. You can say they are, right? But they're not. You're not being mentored by them. Okay. The next one is that mentoring is not about serving the mentor. <laughs> now, I had to say this because it's, it's particularly in Christianity. It's quite common in Christianity. And I think it's come out of the church whereby, you know, you might have leaders in the church, maybe a pastor, or assistant pastors and so on. And, you know, you hang around this person, you carry their Bible, etc., and all those things. And people think that, oh, if someone is a mentor, then you're called to serve them. Okay. Uh, you do this for them or they tell you, do this, do that, etc. Now, that actually can be a product of the regard that you have for that mentor, but it should not be the foundation of that relationship. It shouldn't be the foundation of that relationship. So you are not called to a mentor to serve them, to, to do this for them, to do that for them. That's not, that's a different relationship altogether. But if we're strictly talking about a mentoring relationship, then it's not, you're not, you know, it's not for service, if that makes sense. All right. It doesn't now mean that you don't serve them because obviously, you know, if you're someone that's grateful for what they're doing in your life, you want to look for ways to be of service to them. And that is scriptural. If someone is pouring into your life, we should find a way to pour back into their life. But the primary purpose for which you are in that relationship is not to serve. So like I said, if there's no exchange of ideas taking place and all you're doing in that relationship is serving that person because quote unquote, they're your mentor, then again, 
I'm sorry, that is not a mentoring relationship. All right. Your mentor is there because they want to invest in you and lift you up. Mentoring is about lifting up people. So if you have gone through something and you have successfully become established in it, you want to help other people rise into that level as well. That is the foundation of mentoring. It is not being called to serve the person that is your mentor. All right. Now, the last one that mentoring is not in trying to define what mentoring is, is that mentoring is not a fan club. It's not a fan club. So again, this is quite common. You see someone that is quite popular in a field or whatever it is, and you just want to be in that person's circle, right? Maybe inner circle. You want to be known and identified with them. So people reach out to, to people simply because of that, simply because they want to be in that person's circle, not necessarily to learn from them, but just so that people say, ah, no, I know this person, I know that person, etc." So mentoring is not a fan club. If that's what you're doing, then be, you know, label it as that's what you're doing. I just want to be in this person's circle. That's all. Know the purpose of that relationship. Don't waste the person's time and don't waste your own time. So know why you are establishing that relationship. Just because you admire someone or you see what you like in their life doesn't mean you should engage them as a mentor. You can admire them, but then move on with your life because mentoring is based on demand and supply. Mentoring, I'll say that again, is based on demand and supply. If someone comes into your space and you really admire that person, they're successful in whatever area and you like that about them, that doesn't mean you should automatically reach out to them and say, be my mentor. Why? Because if you don't have a genuine need in your life at that time regarding that area, regarding their area of success, regarding you know, something that they can help you solve, you're going to end up wasting your time and that person's time. So that is another reason why people reach out and ask people to mentor them. They see something that they admire, they, this person's successful. Primarily, they want to be in their circle, right? Inner circle, outer circle, whatever it is. But not necessarily because, oh, listen, <laughs> you know, I, I met someone that is prospering in their career and they're flying high and I'm struggling. I'm looking, you know, I've been in this role for four years and I, I'm stuck. I don't even know how to go to the next level. I've done everything I know to do, but then I meet this person that, that has done it. That is the basis of reaching out to them and saying, please, can you mentor me? Right. And we'll come to that later in, in terms of directly asking for you for someone to mentor you. But what I what I'm trying to say is there has to be a demand for the supply to flow, not just, oh, I like this person and I want them on my on my LinkedIn profile. I want to be able to say I know them. <laughs> <laughs> that is not mentoring. Okay. So those four things of so four areas from what I have observed is why people say they have mentors, but in, in actual fact, these people are not your mentors. And if you walk away from this kind of relationships and you say, oh, this is not even delivering, etc., it's because they were never your mentor in the first place. All right. Okay. So let's get into what I call my book of wisdom 
which is the Bible, so that we can see how to maximize a, re- a mentoring relationship. So we've I've defined what mentoring is by defining what it is not. So how do we actually maximize? And I've you know I've talked about how there are five rules that you must follow in order to get the best, the very best out of a mentoring relationship. And today's character, so the person whose life I'm going to be modeling and extracting those five rules is um, some, well, it's not his name, it's just a description of him, which is the Ethiopian eunuch um, that is mentioned in Acts. And you may have heard about him. Uh, He was mentioned very briefly in the book of Acts and the text that we're going to be taking this story from is in Acts 8 from 26 to 39. So just a few verses, but it's packed and it's loaded. And we're going to see how he was able to get the best out of a very brief mentor relationship. So to provide some context to this, the mentor relationship was between the eunuch, uh, the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip. And Philip was actually one of Jesus's 12 disciples. And the way they met was that the eunuch, the Ethiopian eunuch, was returning. So he had gone to Jerusalem to worship and he was on his way home, back to his own country. That was when they met. And also to add more context to this, as one of Jesus' 12 disciples, Philip had been trained by Jesus for approximately three years. And therefore, he was an authority on Christianity. So for those who may not have known that, I just wanted to bring that context in because it is relevant later on. Okay, so I'm going to get straight into it. And remember five rules that you should follow if you want to get the best out of a mentoring relationship. So I'm going to start reading from Acts 8 and from verse 26. He now says, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the queen of Ethiopia. It says that the eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. And let me... (laughs) What's the first thing that is pointed out here? What can we see about the eunuch here? If we try and paint a picture of this man's life, it says that he was the treasurer of Ethiopia. Now, even back then, I'm assuming, right? I don't know this for a fact, but I'm assuming that because we don't, they didn't have all those countries in Africa and all those things, that Ethiopia was maybe even um, bigger than it is today and certainly clearly more prosperous, right? So he was the treasurer of Ethiopia. So he was a man, the Bible says, of great authority under the queen of Ethiopia. (laughs) This was a powerful man. If we put it in today's context, it was the minister of finance right in today's world like the minister of finance or in in england or in the united kingdom is the chancellor of the exchequer right which is like the right hand man of the prime minister imagine that that is the status of this man now let's compare that with philip (laughs) 
Philip, if we are just literally observing by, okay, who are you and who are you? Philip would have seemed or looked like a nobody. He probably didn't have a lot of money, right? Considering the fact that the apostles, the disciples, they sold everything and then mixed everything together so that you only took what you needed, etc. They weren't parading around in, in carriages or, or chariots or whatever it is. Okay, you see what I mean? He was certainly, Philip was certainly not a respected statesman. This man was. He was a man of influence. He was a man of power. He was a man of means. He was rich. Compare that with Philip. I mean, you're thinking, what are these two people doing in a mentoring relationship? How can Philip be a mentor to this rich man, right? <laughs> I remember several years ago, I was at a conference and... I got talking to this lady and she, you know, she, she was the head of an organization, head teacher at the time um, of a school. And we, we got talking at this conference and as she was talking, I could, I could immediately sense an air of arrogance about her. And it was confirmed to me when she made the statement and she literally said, oh, you know, there are only a handful of people that she can learn from because most people are not on the same intellectual level as she is. And she was serious. She wasn't joking. She wasn't joking. And she wasn't even talking about, obviously she's head teacher. She wasn't even talking about her career specifically. She wasn't saying, okay, because I'm head teacher, um, you know, that is the head, that, that's pretty much the, the top <laughs> of the profession. Where do I go next? So she was saying in the context of a lot of people are not as intelligent, it's not a lot, most people are not as intelligent as she is. So she can't even hold a conversation with most people because they just bore her. And I was like, wow. <laughs> I thought, you don't know what you're missing out on. You don't know what you're missing out on. Because if Philip, in the eyes of this eunuch, had seemed like a nobody, no, someone that was not on his level, imagine what the eunuch would actually have missed out on. Now, I, the thing is, people wrongly believe that a mentor should be someone that's better than them according to some kind of social marker and people use social markers like age or money or position or influence so they don't think oh if i'm if i you know if i'm doing exceptionally well that you know no i can't condescend and go and learn from someone that is several levels below me at work i mean <laughs> that is just narrowing it down and reducing your capacity to learn essentially but, you know, if this eunuch had been thinking like that head teacher, he would never have given audience to Philip because he would have taken one look at him and thought, who are you? How, why, how can you have anything to say to me that I, that I need to hear? All right. If there's someone that does it that way, if you believe that it can only be someone that's older than you, someone that is ahead of you in your career, someone that is, has more money than you, etc., etc. Let me show you something that will actually help you. And it's from the Bible. First Corinthians 1, 27 to 29. It says, God chose those whom the world considers foolish to shame those who think they are wise. He chose the lowly, the laughable in the world's eyes, nobodies, so that he would shame the somebodies. That is actually how God operates. He wraps his blessing in unusual packages. And if you despise the package, you will miss out on the blessing. 
So essentially what I'm saying is don't allow ego to rob you of who you can become. I remember another story in the Bible of the centurion, I think it was. I thought, you know, somewhere in the Old Testament, the guy that went to Elijah, the leprous guy, and it was his maid. He, if he had discounted what his maid told him, the advice he got from his maid, he would have lived and died without leprosy. So briefly, there was a mentoring. That's what mentoring is, an exchange of ideas where you take your old ideas and you exchange them for new ones, right? So what's the first rule? A mentor only needs to know more than you in the area of your need. It doesn't matter if you're far more successful than them in every other area. So if this person, you know, is dirt poor or whatever it is, they have no social standing, they're 50 years younger than you, exaggerating now, obviously, <laughs> whatever it is. But in this area, you can see that they, are, they have progressed much more than you then certainly you have something to learn from them. That's the first thing. Don't limit it to people that have gone ahead of you by social markers. You have to use a marker of influence, right? In that particular area that you're trying to develop. So that's the first thing. So I'm going to keep going. It now continues and it says, Now the Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go over and walk along beside the carriage. So essentially, um, Philip was in the same area, the carriage, the eunuch's carriage was traveling along the same road. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, go and meet him. Now, even before, this is quite interesting, even before the eunuch knew that he needed a mentor, the right person showed up to help him. Now, what I want to show here by this, right? Because as we can see, this was actually orchestrated by the Holy Spirit, is that there is a measure of providence. And what do I mean by providence? Being in the right place at the right time. There's a measure of providence that is involved in mentoring, okay? Where the information that you need shows up at exactly the right time that you need it. I'll give an example. Um, so, one, there was a time when I was looking to grow in my business and, you know, I had been praying, I've been thinking, you know, reading why and saying, how, what is the strategy? How do we take this business to the next level? And I was at the train station waiting for my train. There was a bit of a delay, I think about 20 minute delay. So I thought, oh, there's a WH Smith here bookshop. So I said, let me just go and kill some time, just browse some of the books that they have. And I walked into that bookshop you know, browsed a few books, one looked interesting to me, picked it up. And I kid you not, in the first two pages that I opened, I saw the exact strategy that I needed to take my business to the next level. I was like, I was jumping, I was like, wow. I saw it, knew exactly what to do, implemented that strategy and boom, my business took off. Do you see what I mean? I could not have planned that. I could not have made a 10 lists and said, oh, okay, these are the people that can take me to the next level, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a measure of providence. And why am I saying that? It is to take a proactive approach to mentoring. Don't always be reactive. Don't wait until you are in a fix or you know, to now think, okay, let me make a list. Pray into your future. In every season that you find yourself, you should ask the Holy Spirit 
to bring you in contact with who and what you need to go to the next level. And obviously by giving that example, I've also demonstrated that a mentoring relationship is not always face to face. It can be through books, it can be through courses, whatever it is, because the person has literally downloaded everything they know and you come in contact with it at the right time, you implement it and boom, your life goes to the next level. So the second rule is to take a proactive approach to mentoring. Pray the right mentors into your future before you get there. Before the eunuch even decided, listen, I need somebody. He didn't even know that he needed somebody to come and teach him. He was just stuck. And then somebody showed up, right, by the direction of the Holy Spirit. So actively make it part of your prayers. Say, in this season that I'm going into, Father, bring the right mentors into my life. Bring the right relationships. Teach me to go in the right direction, to meet the right people, to come in contact with the right information for my next level. Okay, so that was rule two. So to keep going, it now says that Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? <laughs> the man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. Based on the passage of scripture he had been reading, the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with that same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus and that led to his salvation. <laughs> I hope you see what I see there. Now, in those couple of verses, right, we can see very clearly what mentoring really is. Remember, we talked about what it's not. This is what mentoring is, and I'm going to break it down. The first is mentoring is problem solving. Mentoring is problem solving. So until you hit a bump in the road, you don't need that mentor. You can make connections, right? You can have them in your network, right? Have them on your LinkedIn profile, make the connection, establish some kind of uh, rapport with them. But until you actually hit a bump in the road, until you come up with a wall that looks impossible to scale and you don't know what to do, you don't actually need that mentor. Now, I know this goes against what a lot of people believe because it's the same people that go around collecting mentors for the sake of it. If it's, so I see someone that's successful and I think, oh, I like what I see. <laughs> I'm going to ask them to mentor me. But they're not even actively pursuing any growth in that area of that person's expertise. So there's no passion for them to pursue anything with that person. They just want, they like the idea of saying this person is my mentor. Because there's no passion, there's no energy to commit to that relationship and it's dead even before it starts. So that's the first thing that I see, right? It is about problem solving. It is about problem solving. The eunuch initiated the relationship, said, I don't understand what I'm reading. I don't understand. I need you to explain it to me. And that was the basis of that mental relationship. The other thing that I see here is that mentoring is not lecturing. You know what I mean? <laughs> As in the mentor decides what the mentee needs to learn beforehand, prepares lecture notes, and then shows up and downloads it to them without the mentee having any say. No, that doesn't work. 
right? Effective mentoring is about asking the right questions and <laughs> the responsibility is on the person being mentored to create a list of questions based on what they have been struggling with. So you show up to a mentoring session to ask questions. You don't show up and say, okay, uh, can I have lunch with you? You ask your mentor and then you sit down at lunch and then you wait for them to just start talking. No, you should show up with questions. How can you help me in this area? This is what I'm struggling with. You show up with questions and they, in answering your question, they teach you. The eunuch asked a question and Philip used that as the basis for teaching him about Jesus Christ, right? Remember, I already mentioned that mentoring is not an opportunity for you to come and dump your problems on the person. That may make you feel better, but you would walk away from that conversation exactly the same. No change. So a mentoring session in advance has to be thought through. What am I going to ask this person? What have I been struggling with? So I will go as far as to say, listen, define the relationship. If the person is your friend, then they're your friend. Go out and hang out and gist. If they're, I don't know, your sister or brother and you take them, then go and hang out and gist. But if you're saying mental relationship, you really shouldn't be arranging sessions with a person if you're not you know, struggling with something, if you don't have questions to ask them, if you haven't reached a point where you're stuck and you don't know what to do, that is the basis of a mentoring relationship. Now you can arrange meetups and sessions for different reasons because clearly you've entered into a relationship with a person and, you know, you probably like the person, they like you back, hopefully, and you may want to hang out. And if it's okay with the person, just let them know, I just want to hang out with you. Make sure you are clear about the purpose of that meetup. It's a, don't call it a mentoring session. Don't say, oh, oh, you're yeah, my mentor. Can I see you? Because you should see them to ask questions. I hope, I hope you understand what I mean. Okay, so the second rule is to get the best from a mentoring relationship, you need to ask the right questions. You need to ask the right question. Rule number three, pardon me. So let's move on quickly. And it continues and it says, as they rode along, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop and they went down into the water and Philip baptized him. Now, basically, Philip started talking to him about Jesus and obviously the natural progression you know, then of once you have received Jesus Christ, you'll be baptized in water, etc. So Philip had taught him that. Philip had taught him probably because he, he saw the water and they were literally probably just talking about it. So Philip had given him an action step and said, okay, you accept Jesus Christ, then you, you should be baptized in water, etc. And the thing about it is, <laughs> this one's pretty straightforward. And this is also why mentoring a lot of times ends up being a waste of time because there is no follow-up action. For mentoring to change your life, you have to actually do the work. Take the advice that you've been given and act on it. The eunuch didn't waste time. Once he understood what Philip was saying and how it would change his life, boom, he took action. He didn't faff around. He didn't say, okay, I've heard you, I've heard you. Once he saw an opportunity, the first opportunity 
the first opportunity that he came in contact with to act on it, he took it, he acted on it. And the Bible talks about how obviously salvation came to him as a result of that. So rule four to get the best out of mentoring is this until you act on the wisdom that you have been given, it is useless to you. So it's not just acquiring information and hearing this. Oh, mm, that sounds good. Okay. Oh, thank you so much for your time, etc. And you walk away and you, there are opportunities for you to apply what you've been told, right? And you don't, that mentoring relationship has not benefited you. Now going on to the last one, let's read quickly. It now says when they came up out of the water, so Philip baptized him. The spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. <laughs> this is a tough one, uh, right? Because we become attached to our mentors, right? Or mentor becomes attached to their mentees, etc. This is very interesting because we can see here that once Philip's work was completed in the eunuch's life, that relationship was severed. And that is why I said it is good to clarify what a mentoring relationship is. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that you never talk to the person again. It doesn't mean that you completely cut all ties to the person. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it will come to the point where you are now need to redefine that relationship. It is no longer a mentoring relationship. It can be, you know, friendship. It can be brother, sister, whatever it is, colleagues but it is no longer a mentor relationship. Holding on to an outdated mentor relationship creates more problems than it solves. Now, Philip's assignment had changed. The Holy Spirit was taken somewhere else and he had to head in a different direction. If he had insisted on staying with the eunuch, he would have missed his own opportunities that God was directing him to. He had to walk away. He had to walk away and he did. And the, looking from the other end, which is from the point of view of the mentee, which is the eunuch, do you notice how he reacted? He wasn't upset because he understood that the reason Philip came into his life had been fulfilled. He had reached his next level, right? The job was done. He had acted on it. He was now saved. He had gone to the next level. All the problems, the questions that had been answered, he was happy. And it was now time for him to enjoy that new season until probably he would hit another snag. And then he would need someone else to come into his life to teach him how to go to the next level in which in this context was his Christian walk. Maybe some, probably even baptism of Holy Spirit, something like that. But once you get to that level, you have to be sensitive enough to recognize when the job of the mentor is done and don't allow emotional, you know, sentiments to keep you in a mental relationship that is no longer serving you or the person, all right? It can be dangerous because that is where, you know, some, sometimes the person starts to feel resentful and they feel like, oh, I can't, I can't come out of that relationship. I can't come out of that relationship, etc., etc. But, you know, at that point, it's, you know, it, it requires courage to be able to speak up and say, I think it's time for us to um, 
lay this mentor relationship to rest in this situation and then it will naturally you know officially probably i don't know <laughs> you may not officially have to say you're no longer my mentor but you will also notice that the, the you can for some people i know that for me there have been times when i've been mentored by people and because seasons change right it just sort of morphs into something else it transforms into a different kind of relationship and it is as long as we're quite clear and it's quite clear to both parties that it is no longer a mentoring mentee relationship all right so the last rule rule number five in order to get the best out of any mentor relationship is this don't hold on to a mentor relationship when it has outlasted its purpose okay so those are the five rules that i have learned that i've gleaned from the life of this eunuch um that i saw helped him to go in a very short time not prolonged not months and years that very short and very quickly progressed to the next level and these are by looking back over my own life over my major relationships um and also observing relationships of other people as well these are five rules that i believe and i know that if you apply them they will serve you and you will always maximize your mentoring relationships right so <laughs> that's it for this week's episode of the super abundant life podcast and i look forward to speaking with you next time hey before you go do me a favor if you've enjoyed today's podcast or any of the ones that you've listened to can you please share with friends family and colleagues thanks